right, guys. So we've got an update on our um, friend Sarah from the uh, Vietnamese quarantine facility. She said that she has found love with a guy who was also in the quarantine facility with oh. her. Oh. And I think it's important to note because everyone always focuses on the downside of concentration camps. But no one ever talks about the positives about how they bring people together. That's right. <laughs> and they both have bad aids together. <laughs> Hello and welcome to your favourite podcast, Brad is a Bad Person. My name is Morgan, I am the host of this podcast, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I am joined as always by Lachlan. <laughs> G'day. Who demands that you give him back his son, and by Brad. Hello. Who swears that if we rip on him 13 or 14 more times, oh he's out of here. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Today we're talking about vengeance. Getting revenge on people who have done you wrong. It's a human emotion, an all-too-human emotion. We have an intuitive sense of justice and fairness, and when we feel wronged, we start feeling the urge to right that wrong. Some channel their anger into finding justice through the proper channels, going to who- whoever is in charge and making their case, asking, pleading, demanding justice. Others seek their own justice taking matters into their own hands and doing what is necessary to right the wrong. Who gets to decide what constitutes justice? Do two wrongs make a right? Should you just turn the other cheek? All these questions and more will be ignored as we tell you you three tales of revenge. (laughs) The pettier, the bettier. I've got a great story of somebody flipping their shit and going way overboard in their quest for justice. Let's hope Brad and Lachlan have really hit the brief and done something similar. How are we today, guys? Still thirsty for justice? Uh, always. always. I mean, the brief was just revenge, so I've yeah. definitely hit that, but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> what I'm going to talk about isn't petty. I'll t- <laughs> tell you that right now. Yeah, I feel like me and Lachlan hit the brief and you've gone the- <laughs> You know, fucking My Little Pony, uh, I, rainbows uh, and feathers route. I feel like um, there's a lot of a lot of things that we've talked about on previous episodes that we could uh, shoehorn into this episode. Mm, Chief mm. among them is the Killdozer. Yeah, that, I was going to say. Is, that is just a fucking fantastic story of revenge. Yeah, if we hadn't covered it already, I think it would have been number one on the list there. Mm. So, mm. And um, who was that uh, French guy in Mexico who got revenge on uh, oh, people yeah. who, You know, we've, we've covered it a bit, but this episode yep. is dedicated to revenge. That's mm-hmm. right. It's going to be great. I mean, we all have that sort of feeling in us sometimes where mm-hmm. somebody slights us and we just oh. think, I want to fucking destroy them. I want to ruin them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it can be um, unbelievably petty when required. Yeah. And we try to, we try to you know... Be better than that, but you know, we can't be the bigger man. We all feel like that. Um, yeah, okay. So, before we get started today, I want to remind everyone to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a nice review on iTunes, we'll give you a shout out during the show to say thank you. If you want to get in contact with us and suggest an episode idea or just say hi, please do. We always love interacting with our fans. Mm-hmm. You can do that on any of our social media or through our website, bradisabadperson.com. If you really, really like us, then you can send us some cash through paypal.me slash bradisabadperson to help with running costs. But otherwise, the best thing you can do is support the show and tell a friend to listen. Lachlan, do you want to get us started by cracking open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. Got something a little bit different this week. <laughs> it's a Bucket Brewery coffee lager. Oh. Mm. Um, so, as, uh, tin is very modestly adorned. It's literally just a sticker with the label on the front. Mm. Uh, they've got, you know, the legally required information, like it's 4.5%, 1.3 standard drinks. Other than that... All I know is that it's a lager that allegedly tastes like coffee. So, uh, mm. <laughs> give it a go. Mm. Yeah, Drew Carey, Drew Carey and his friends made a coffee beer in uh, his TV show, Buzz Beer, they called it. That is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. I like coffee and I like lager. Not good together. <laughs> no. Match made in hell. 
I always watch your eyebrows when you take a sip or something, and your eyebrows tell us <laughs> they told a story there. That was well, eyebrows give me away. Yeah, that they was, don't lie. I have to wear a bandana around the top of my head when I play poker. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, I felt that one just based on the reaction of your eyebrows. All right, so we're going to tell three tales of revenge, of vengeance, of revengeance. Yes, my word. And, uh, the first one is, uh, first, yes, Brad came up with that, very clever. <laughs> and um, first person that's going to go is uh, fan favorite Bradley. Mm-hmm. Some of the best movies ever made have one thing in common, revengeance, as we just called <laughs> That is my word. <laughs> and I was definitely shoehorning that in somewhere. Um, I saw the devil, old boy, Kill Bill, oh. The Revenant. Gladiator, Payback, True Grit, Munich, Mad Max. I could go on, but you get my fucking point. The result is always the same. Justice is dispatched in bulk at the hands of the protagonist, whether you agree <laughs> it's deserved or not. As much as we all enjoy seeing vengeance dished out on the silver screen, all too commonly, that's where it stays. For victims in the real world, there is no Russell Crowe or Mel Gibson coming to save them from their abuses. Aww. Fortunately, on those rare occasions when the stars align... Vengeance leaps from the silver screen and gets dispensed to real scumbags who truly fucking deserve it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, boy. Today, I've picked my favorite example of real-life vengeance, the case of Jody Pluchet and the arseloads of vengeance his father Gary dished out to Jeff Duquette in 1984. Okay. Yes. The Pluchets met Jeff Duquette in 1983 when Gary and June Pluchet and I think I'm saying this right, were looking to sign their 10-year-old son, Jody, up for karate lessons in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Unfortunately for the Pluchets, they happened upon 24-year-old Jeff Duquette's dojo, and charismatic as he was, they were quickly taken in by him. Jeff had a successful, successful dojo with dozens of children under his tutelage, and Gary felt he would be a good role model for the physically gifted Jody. June and Gary were at the time facing marital issues, and as such, Gary felt it would be good to have another strong male presence in his life, while he and his wife sorted out their uncertain future together. At one stage, Gary even noticed that Jeff was living out of his dojo, and as he had no family in the area, invited him into his parents' home for Sunday lunch, where the two struck up a solid friendship. Gary revealed the issues he and June were having, but told Jeff he was relieved that Jeff was around to help Jody deal with everything. Like all predators, Jeff Duquette could smell the blood in the water and would use this information to gain even greater access to Jody Pluchet, now 11 years old. Jody Pluchet would later recount the first time he sensed something was not right with his relationship with Jeff Duquette. Duquette owned a Datsun 280Z, a cool-looking two-door fastback. Uh, oh, coupe. hell yeah. Fucking yeah, Dano. Yeah, they look fucking great as well. I'd have one in a heartbeat. Um, that he would, would you get molested for one, though? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do some molesting in it, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that he would offer to teach boys how to drive it. Jody was one such boy, and after sitting in du- Duquette's lap for the f- their first drive, oh. Duquette would reach into his lap multiple times during the drive. Jody admits to being perturbed at the time, but brushing it off as a mistake. So he's 11 years old and he's sitting on his lap. Yeah. I mean, I'd done the same thing when with my dad. You know, he'd sit in and they'd do the gears and the thing and you'd do the steering. Yeah, was he touching your dick though? No. <laughs> but oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to be a, Yeah. It's not uncommon when you've got a small kid. Well, it's, but not, it should like be uncommon your with, kid. it's not uncommon with your own kid, yeah. Yeah, if that's what I mean. someone else's yeah. kid, that's fucking that's, weird. Fucking weird. Exactly. I agree. Not mm-hmm. arguing that point. Uh, the saying goes that if you put a frog in boiling water, it will jump out. If you start the water off cool, though, and slowly bring it to the boil, it won't move. And in much the same way, Jeff Duquette begun his pursuit of Jody Pluchet, and the water was about Ooh. to start heating up. Ah, classic grooming stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. As June and Gary Ugh. were not suspicious of the outwardly charming Jeff Duquette, he gained unfettered access to Jody, eventually taking his entire karate class to a, uh, on a trip to Houston, Texas. It was here, six months after meeting Jody, that Duquette would make his move, performing oral sex on Jody while the other boys slept. For a oh. month, Duquette's abuse would continue unabated before he would again escalate. Duquette 
begun to rape Judy on an almost daily basis, ah. and due to his unsupervised access, June and Gary were none the wiser. Mm. At this time, Gary's own brother, who ironically his name was Jeff, Jeff Pluchet, would come to Gary with his concerns after witnessing an interaction between Duquette and Jody. I told Gary, something's not right. I don't even kiss my own kids on the mouth. Gary and June <laughs> stood by Duquette, unwilling to believe that anything sinister was taking place. For the next six months, Duquette's reign of terror continued behind the closed doors of his dojo, and Jody suffered in silence. On the 19th of February, 1984, Jeff Duquette would escalate once again. Not satisfied with contact he had, uh, the contact he had with Jody being limited to hours per day, Duquette would kidnap Jody and bring him from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to the home of pedophilia, California. <laughs> <laughs> to be more specific, the Samoa Motel in Anaheim. Here, Duquette had unlimited access to Jody and behaved like the predator he was for ten whole days. Uh. Eventually, Jody was able to convince Duquette to allow him to make a collect call to his mother, June, and thankfully, the police were able to trace the call. Within hours, Jody was safely in police custody and Duquette in handcuffs. Despite everything that had taken place, Jody Pluchet still remained silent about the sexual assaults he had been subjected to at the hands of Jeff Duquette, and when he was reunited with his parents on the 1st of March 1984, not even the police were aware of the torture he had been through. Here is an interview from the family in the airport as they were reunited. March 1st, an emotional family reunion at New Orleans International Airport. Gary, June, meet Jody after his unexpected California visit. How do y'all feel now? Fantastic. Fantastic. He <laughs> looks good. I love that back hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't at all. What do you think about this whole thing? I don't know. So you could hear uh, Gary Pluchet uh, and June Pluchet so, there talking. Can I just clarify for mm-hmm. myself and the audience? So at this stage, nobody knows that Jody was getting raped. No. Just, no. They, just think, they just think he was kidnapped. Yep, so such was the power that I guess uh, Duquette had over <laughs> Jody that he hadn't even mentioned it to anyone. Even though he'd seen him in handcuffs, even though he'd seen everything, there was no... But wouldn't you piece it together at that point? Like, why would somebody kidnap my 11-year-old son? Like, there's mm. some... Well, some... well and on, on top of that, he'd also... Jody had bright blonde hair, and he they, you hear them mentioning talking about black hair. He dyed his hair black. So this was like, he was planning on keeping yeah, him keeping running. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't... It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to give him back. It was lucky that Jody tricked him into making that kind oh, of call. Oh, God. Um, and it was, it, I find it extra creepy that the news story plays sort of like a happy reunion after a bizarre adventure. Yeah. Like, there's no no mention of him being abducted. It's like, hey, we're back together. It's, mm. you know, it was a weird trip. Um, were, they, were they thinking it was like this kid is like running off because he wants to be with somebody else? Like he wants to be- No, like, it's really weird. With another family or something like that and then changed his mind? It's it's I don't know how how like how the you know the family felt about because obviously they were so close with Jeff Duquette yeah um, and they honestly I don't I just don't think they could believe that anything there was any sexual motivation maybe they just thought um, Jeff wanted him or was taking on him a trip and didn't tell I don't know it was really weird mm. um, but that, that that isn't to say that the police didn't have their suspicions and after DNA testing came back yeah. positive. Uh, for Duquette's DNA on Jody, oh. their worst fears were concerned. God. Gary Pluchet was inconsolable after hearing the news. He had failed his son in the worst way he could imagine and quickly took to drowning his sorrows in bars, a decision that would ultimately lead to his tremendous revenge. See, Gary's story is one of those times that God smiles upon a person and puts them in the right place at the right time with a purpose. While out drinking at a bar on March 16th, Gary Pluchet would overhear a bartender talking to someone who worked at the WRBZ TV station. He was able to deduce from their conversation that the man was required to cover the arrival of Jeff Duquette at Baton Rouge Metropolitan Airport on the 908 flight. Gary immediately left the bar and headed straight to the airport. Gary would have one shot at revenge before Duquette slipped through his hands forever. He sat 
and waited at the airport drinking black coffee in an attempt to sober himself up before moving to a bank of payphones directly near the arrivals gate. With only a baseball cap as his disguise, Gary called his best friend Jimmy to make small talk before springing into action. As Jeff Duquette walked through arrivals in handcuffs, two police two police detectives flanking him, and a smug-as-fuck grin on his face, Gary Duquette whispered to his friend Jimmy, Here he comes. You're about to hear a shot. Oh, true, oh, to, yeah. <laughs> true to his word, the man from WRBZ-TV was there, and thanks to him, we have Gary Fouché's revenge on film. Here's the audio. Why? I know why. (laughs) Gary Fouché ended Jeff Duquette's miserable uh, existence one day later when the sack of shit would die in the the hospital from a single gunshot wound to his head from a thirty-eight snub nose revolver Gary had delivered at point-blank range. Nice. After shooting Duquette, Gary hung up the phone and was tackled by police. In a win for the judicial system, Gary was found guilty of manslaughter but but sentenced to a seven-year suspended sentence Five years probation and 300 hours community service because he was clearly so good at cleaning up the trash. (laughs) (laughs) Judge Frank Sire ruled that sending Gary to prison would help no one and that there was virtually no risk of him committing another crime. Uh And I'll leave you with this. Immediately after Gary shot Jeff Duquette, one of the officers who pinned him yelled out, Gary, why, why Gary? (laughs) Because when good men sit back and allow evil things to happen, they're no better than the bad guys. And in, and in the great Gary Plouchet's own words, if it was your kids, you would have done the same thing. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Damn straight. So that's my tale yes. of revengeance. It, Gary just, Plouchet. It, it restores what little bit of faith I could possibly have in the justice system that Ooh. he didn't see the inside of a cell for that's what I mean. killing the guy that raped his kid. It's just... It really warms the heart. It does. It yeah, does. It and, and he would have been smiling through every one of those 300 hours of community service. <laughs> well, he did the community service at his church mowing lawns. Yeah. And he's like, I already do that anyway. So, he basically yeah. did did nothing. Like Making he, his peace with God. Yeah, he made his peace with God. Yeah. But um, he was prepared to go to prison. Though. He was like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I think there was another interview where he said that there was two of them in the airport that day, and he, mm. one of one of them was leaving. He was either he was going to die trying to kill him, or yep. he was going to kill him and going to kill him. Yeah, yep. yeah. But he didn't yep. want to hurt anyone else. And the video is is crazy because he, he's on the he's like facing the phone bank, like one of those old school. Yeah. I don't know mm. if they still have them in airports, but just a bank of payphones. Mm-hmm. And he's got a hat on. He's sort of crouched and he's talking. And the camera sort of pans around and fucking Duquette has the smuggest fucking grin on his face. Mm. Like, oh, you know, oh. yeah. Probably thinking, oh, they won't be able to get Jody to testify. I'll drag this shit out in court. It'll yep. be, you know, whatever. And then as the camera pans, the, the, um, the camera is almost perfectly aligned. So you don't mm. actually mm. Um, see uh, Pluchet's head, but you just see as he's sort of turning. And then Duquette's hair sort of just gets blown up. <laughs> like there's no blood or anything. It's just like poof, yeah. and then he drops like a sack of shit. The cops turn Good. around. Um, Pluchet puts the phone back on the thing, and the cops yelling, "Gary, why, why, Gary?" Which I think is one of the greatest sound bites of all time, because yeah. it's quite obvious why he did it. Uh, right. And then they they grab him, <laughs> and he just lets him take the gun. And then yeah, yes, and oh, it's it's beautiful. so great. It takes like beautiful. eight seconds. The whole thing. It's beautiful. Absolute masterpiece of journalism. You know, Brad. We we often uh, worry that we're accidentally going to do the same story as each other when we do, mm-hmm. you know, different episodes and stuff like that. And I was very, very, very close to doing that story. Mm. I didn't do it, luckily. But um, when I was in university, I did a few philosophy subjects. Yes. And one of them, I wrote an essay on uh, punishment and revenge and whether, it, like, revenge is an element to justice or yeah. whether justice mm. should be something else other than just revenge. And one of the, I used two examples that my uh, professor had said that were really, really good examples that he, he hadn't um, heard of and he really liked. And one of them was that example there. Mm. And my point was that, you know, this guy got his revenge, he got his own justice, mm-hmm. and then there's no reason to punish him because he's not a threat to society anymore. Yeah. And yes. the only way, the only reason you should 
take somebody out of society and put them in a prison cell is if they're a danger to society and we can't mm-hmm. trust them. And mm-hmm. I was like, this guy obviously is no danger to society. He's only Unless a danger to people who rape his children. Yeah, which is, you know. <laughs> so, utterly reasonable. Um, so, I, I was making the case that in that sense, justice was served, that he got his justice and that yep. uh, there's, there was no need to punish him or to do anything to him. Mm. I did find a, a, an article from the Los Angeles Times um, from the outcome of his trial. Um, and the only person who had a problem with it was uh, Jeff Duquette's brother, Roland, who said, <laughs> I don't believe justice was done in regards well, to the verdict. And I said, I was thinking to myself, a lot of justice was dispensed. And that's right. <laughs> it was definitely done. That's right. More Plus, justice you know than would have been by a court, I think. So, yeah, Roland Duquette. Plus, you know what they do fight. to pedophiles in prison. Like, this guy's probably got off light. Wow, yeah, bullet to the brain. It, yeah. And it also um, was there was like I was, I was watching a lot of interviews with um, Jody Blouchet, and a, a lot of it he was talking about. He didn't want to tell his dad specifically because his dad, um, he said, his dad said to him a couple of times, "If anyone ever hurts you, I'll fucking kill him." And he knew he meant it. <laughs> and he didn't nice. want to lose his dad, so he's yeah. that was part of the reason he, that didn't, he didn't want his dad to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like he, it was this sort of like. It was all like fucked up that yeah. you know his dad would have protected him, obviously, but he was trying to protect his dad in a sense. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna he, tell my re- kids that if anyone ever hurts them, I won't kill them because <laughs> I want I want them to tell me, and then so you can go and kill someone. Yeah, and then I will kill those people. His his son Hopefully. Jody has released a book um, semi recently called Why Gary Why. Oh, um, and I, awesome. I do. I want to get a physical copy of this and read it. But um, for a long time, I think his son was upset with him for um, killing him because he was still afraid he'd go to jail uh, before yeah. they sort of made up when they're in his, he was in his like twenties or something like that. So there was a bit a, a while there where his son was just a complete and utter ingrateful, uh, ungrate, ingrate, ingrate. <sighs> Ingrate, yeah, just did a completely another ingrate yeah. for everything well, that was, Gary had done. I was thinking, Brad, that it might have been a bit like the Michael Jackson mm. scenarios. And, um, you know, Michael Jackson allegedly and also definitely raped <laughs> a bunch of children. Um, and in that um, documentary, Leaving Neverland, mm. both, the thing that really disturbed me was that both of the guys who are talking about their stories in the documentary didn't think there was anything inappropriate going on and oh. they didn't realize how fucked up it was until mm. they were much older like some of yeah. like i think in their 20s and one of them didn't realize how messed up it was until he met a kid who was the same age as he was when michael jackson started molesting him and he was like wait wait that that kid's my that's the kid yeah. that kid's mm. the age that i was like that kid should not be being yeah know, tongue punched in the butt <laughs> like, god <laughs> lord <laughs> Uh. <laughs> this jingle has just become my fucking eject button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good save. Amish people make dolls with no faces as they believe in not worshipping false idols. According to God, and I quote, This creeps me out, please stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, my my point was that I was worried that um, maybe Jody had that same sort of thing that he didn't realize that it was mm. an inappropriate relationship mm. until a bit later, yeah. um, and therefore he didn't like his dad because he killed his friend or something. But I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm happy to report that they ended up, in Jody's own words, being absolute best friends until Good. his death in uh, 2014 after he had a stroke, which is you know sad. Rest in peace, Prince. Rest in uh, peace. Rip. You got shit. Done. Too pure it for this to world. Be done. Yeah, exactly. Lots of respects. Mm, lots of respect. All right, I'll go next. Okay. Okay. So, ask any Indian or upper class white woman what relaxes them, and the answer is yoga. <laughs> people who do yoga and people who teach yoga are all about inner calm and being in control. Yoga is a journey of the self through the self. To the self. Okay, so we're established that Indian as in Indi- from India, not as in Native American. Indian well. red dot, not Indian feather. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to be sprinkling motivational and inspirational quotes about yoga, just like that one, in my story when appropriate. Okay. Okay. Daniel Shea was a very centered man 
who was one with everything. But even yoga practitioners have their breaking point. I think it's usually somewhere between crow pose and downward dog. But for Guru Shay, the breaking point was somewhere around $30,000. You see, Daniel Shay spent 30k with a company to set up a website for his yoga, yoga travel business. And he was not happy with the product. He said the project had ruined his life. Wow. Danny was a big believer in karma, obviously. (laughs) But when cosmic justice didn't come quickly enough, he felt frustrated. After meditating on it, he remembered what he always told his students. Yoga is a dance between control and surrender, between pushing and letting go. It was time to push. (laughs) So he started plotting, started planning. It was time to get his money back and teach these cunts a lesson. (laughs) But there was a problem. The company was based in Boulder, Colorado, and Guru Shay lived in Eugene, Oregon. Mm. Those with a cursory knowledge of US geography may know that Oregon is on the west coast, and Colorado is somewhere out west. So how far could it be? Well, it's about 2,000 kilometers, roughly 20 hours in the car. It was an obstacle, yes, but... Obstacles do not exist to be surrendered to, but only to be broken. (laughs) Now it was time to find an accomplice. But who would agree to a two-day road trip to commit potentially capital crimes? Well, no one with their chakras aligned, obviously. (laughs) So Shay would have to go looking outside of his yoga circles. Guru Shay befriended a man named John Sweeney at a mixed martial arts gym. That seems like a good place to find some muscle. But Sweeney wasn't picked for his beefiness, he was picked for his condition. You see, establishing a strong enough bond with someone that they would help you commit multiple felonies would take years and years. What Danny Boy really wanted was a person who would believe him when he said this whole thing was a sick joke he would be playing on his friends. (laughs) (laughs) Hey Sweeney. Do you want to come on a 40-hour round-trip car ride with me to Colorado to play this practical joke on my friends? We're going to bust into their office with weapons and pretend we are disgruntled customers to to get money back, plus expenses. (laughs) What a fucking dick! John Sweeney is autistic and unfortunately sounded that this sounded perfectly fine. <laughs> Thought it was a level headed idea. Oh god. I just I just think it's too bad that Sweeney Brad, didn't Brad's tell this gone. guru. Brad's gone, we've lost him. <laughs> just pick up an artist from MMA gym. <laughs> It's just not fair. <laughs> it's pretty rude. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Fuck. Oh. Uh. Anyway, I think it's too bad that Sweeney didn't to- tell this guru, Namaste here in Oregon, <laughs> but thanks for the offer. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> thanks, bro. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Shay bought some props from eBay and Amazon, and after they arrived, he and Sweeney set off for Colorado. It was an extremely long trip, but as Guru Shay told himself, the longest journey of any person is the journey inward. Oh, fuck it. Shay had Sweeney set up a meeting with Guzmo, the company that fucked him over, for February 9, 2018. Sweeney told them his name was Davey, and he was a potential new client. Sweeney, posing as Davey went in first for his meeting. Time for the prank to end all pranks. Sweeney must have thought. <laughs> Brad's trying so hard to hold it together. <laughs> it's a pretty good prank. <laughs> Fuck. Alright, so shortly after the meeting started, Shay got out his handcuffs and put on his FBI hat, his FBI patch, and his tactical raid vest. What? <laughs> got some props off eBay and Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Armed with a taser, knife, and handgun, Shay bust into the Guzmo office, taking the employees hostage. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) 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 Shay 
Shay spent $30,000 on this shitty website they had built him, but he was demanding $50,000. He told them that he needed his $30,000 back, but he, <laughs> but he also needed an extra $20,000 to pay for the hitmen he had hired to kill their family oh if they went to the police. God! He's trying to break all his own hitmen! Over the next hour, Shay had handcuffed the two employees, used the taser on one of them, and at different points he held a knife to their throats and pointed a gun at their heads. Jesus Christ. This may seem unnecessary, but Guru Shay remembered that words are not enough. You need to show people that you are serious through your actions. (laughs) People may not always believe what you say, but they will believe what you do. Fucking hell. It became apparent that they didn't have $50,000 on them, so Shay agreed to let them go to the bank and refinance their houses to come up with the cash. Well, I mean, that's not really a very solid plan, is it? Does he keep the knife on him the whole time? (laughs) However, it was not that simple. Shay said he would instruct the hitmen to kill their families if they went to the police. Oh, God. And he even did enough research to know the name, uh, name of one of the employee's daughters. So Shay would get his money transferred to him later that day, but he didn't want to leave empty-handed. You know, this wasn't just about money. It was about righting wrongs, about being validated. So, before he allowed them to leave, Shay made one of the employees write an apology letter to him on behalf of the company for their poor service and send it to his personal email address. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> essentially. Jesus. After they were let go... The employees had a tough decision to make. Bank or police? (laughs) Would they call Shay's bluff? Would they risk their family's lives to take a principled stance? I like to think the following things were running through their head at this crucial moment. In the darkness, I am light. (laughs) (laughs) The future depends on what we do in the present. (sighs) When you are in light, everything will follow you. They decided to go to the police. It was a risky move, but ultimately the right call. Two days later, he didn't, you know, he didn't hire the hitman, obviously. (laughs) He just wanted the extra, he just wanted the extra 20k for fun, I think. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Expenses. Maybe he's going to pay John Sweeney. (laughs) Fucking hell. Anyway, two days later, Shay entered into a standoff with a SWAT team during a raid at his brother's house in a small town outside of Bola, Colorado, where he had been staying, laying low. Fortunately for all, the standoff ended peacefully when Shay surrendered. He was charged with 13 counts, including burglary, impersonating an officer, extortion, kidnapping, and my favourite crime, felony menacing. <laughs> felony menacing. <laughs> he was held on a $1 million, bail, uh, $1 million bond and eventually pleaded guilty to six charges. The district judge, Andrew McDonald, told Shay during his hearing, I don't know what else to say other than why. <laughs> this is the type of thing that is in a scary mystery novel or bad horror film. Ugh. But the judge wasn't done roasting Shay when he later said, This is the most inexplicable crime I've ever seen, but also one of the we- most well thought out inexplicable crimes I've ever seen. <laughs> Daniel Shay was sentenced to 35 years in prison. His accomplice, John Sweeney, was given two years work release. And when that is done, he will have five years of probation. He was originally up for the same charges as Shay, but managed to plead down to just second-degree kidnapping due to his condition. Mm -hmm. Note to self, get officially diagnosed before committing multiple (laughs) felonies. (laughs) So, Guru Shay lost his calm, lost his control, could not find his inner peace, and he will be in prison until he is 80 years old. I guess it's true what they say. Letting go is the hardest asana. (laughs) Asana means yoga pose. So letting go is the hardest yoga pose. It doesn't sound so poetic when it's translated. I have a feeling that a few people are going to find his center through his asshole. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. He's probably going to be doing all that. He's the badass. Would you mess with somebody who... Like, almost killed people over hey. somebody. <laughs> Drove 20 yeah, hours, absolutely. dude. I don't know nah, what he's... this fucking website did, yeah. but $30,000 is a fucking ludicrous amount to pay for a website. So, I can understand why he was pissed off, because he did get yeah, ripped off. Mm. Yeah, 
even <laughs> even if it matched exactly what he wanted it to do, thirty thousand dollars is a crazy amount of money for a website. This 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 Shay is a fucking ice cold motherfucker. You cannot <laughs> just pull up and recruit artists. That's not fair. <laughs> I just oh. That is so fucking funny. You can't just go cruising for people with autism. It's just... <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. It's, it's not pretty, right. Yeah, it's it's pretty rude that he just, you know, looked for somebody who'd believe him. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine how many people he told, like, do you want to come do this? Do you want to play this <sighs> sick prank on my friends? And all of them were like, no. <laughs> if you want me to be an accomplice to a, fe- a felony, this isn't a joke. You're not trying to get your money back. <laughs> You you are the disgruntled employee, disgruntled customer. <laughs> Do you reckon there was a point um, where the autist was like, "Oh, okay, we're actually committing a crime"? Or <laughs> Do you reckon yeah, he was completely dropped and he figured out that you know, <laughs> like, "Do you reckon he was completely actually- sold on it?" Went back and was like, "Man, we just we just crushed it. This was such a great fucking prank that we played in." Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were cranking uh, everything. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good fake tease that he did. <laughs> <laughs> really sold it. <laughs> he actually tased one of them. What a fucking mental. <laughs> oh fuck, Jesus! Uh, I love that he got the apology letter though. So he didn't really like. He didn't get his money, but he wasn't empty-handed. He's got. He's got a email that they can't can't delete that forever in his email account. He's got an official apology letter from the company. You can take my freedom, yeah. but you'll never anyway. take my email. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's funny. Did you guys enjoy those um, quotes that I was throwing oh, in? Man, oh, I enjoyed that stuff. Absolutely. Start I'm, feeling, I'm feeling very at peace now. Three of them are actually quotes from Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> of course they fucking were. <laughs> Which three? It. That's the real question, though. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Don't but don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. We'll never yeah, know. Fans can yeah. go back and listen. We'll never know. But Shannon walked in on the, walked into the study yesterday when I was doing research, <laughs> and I quickly like clicked out of a window, and she was like, "What did you did you just click out of a window? What are you doing? What is that?" And I was like, "Um, <laughs> it was porn. I was looking oh, at disgusting yeah, porn. It was a hundred percent. I was disgusting like, midget porn." I was like, it's nothing bad. I just, it's going to take a while to explain it. And she was like, I got time. So then I had to tell her. It's nothing uh. bad. It's just not something I want you to walk in on me looking at. <laughs> but it reminded me, Lachlan, of the time in high school when you said to me, my dad was using the computer last night before I had a chance to delete the browser history or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, looking up porn. And you were like, no, 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 it's not porn. It's nothing sexual. It was just weird stuff that I don't want to explain to my parents. Oh, yeah. shit. We've all been there. Yeah. As yes. A teenager browsing 4chan. It's, you know, <laughs> it's not good. Life, like, what was that? Rotten, was it? What was that site that everyone went on? Oh, yeah. yeah Rotten.com. Yeah, Rotten.com. Yeah, jeez. Last in the past. Yeah. yeah. E-fucked as well. Mm, yeah. Fucking live oh. leak. Brad's still on there daily. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably where he watched that snuff film of the uh, pedophile getting shot. Is that right? No, it's on YouTube, man. It's oh, on YouTube. Nice. It's on YouTube. Yeah, just look up uh, Gary Pluche. Spelled P L A U C H E Pluche. Because it's not gory at right. all. The only thing you see is his hair get blown up. Duquette's hair. It's just a uh, murder. Mm. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's probably monetized. Um, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, it's time for my Would You Rather. Oh. Morgan. 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 Morgan's Would You Rather. All right, guys, nice, easy, simple one today. Uh, fucking our boy Danny Shea got in there, <laughs> fucking tased one of the chicks straight away. Um, would you rather be tased or pepper sprayed? Oh, oh tased. Hands tased. tased. Yeah. Tased. Wait. Really? Actually, hang, yeah. on, hang on, hang on, Dry right, tased, tased or, tased or with the prongs? Oh, yeah, the prongs is worse, isn't it? Yeah, well, because, like I mean, they gun. stick into you, yeah. Yeah, but, then but you've it's got the dry bad. Uh, the pepper spray is lingering. It hangs around for ages. Yeah, that's what I mean. you got to yeah. fucking pour milk on your face. The tasers just fucking zap and it's done. Yeah, but, I mean, sometimes tasers kill people as well, so you've got to count that into the fact. Wow. You know, OC spray if, doesn't kill people often. If you die to a taser, you'd probably fucking live like a bitch anyway, so... <laughs> What if, what if they got you with the prongs and they couldn't turn it off and then the prongs are stuck in here and then you're wow. just getting... Just getting so it's like an 
Seems like an edge case to me. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think you're like, after you get tased, you're just like on edge for a while and you're just like shaking and yeah. like stressed out all the time and you just like, you can't relax anymore. Yeah. I yeah. feel like pepper spray I could deal with, but I don't think I'd mentally recover from being tased. Well, I have been pepper sprayed, kind of. No, you have um, What are you talking about? Yeah, uh, when I used to go to the soccer, there was a bit of a melee and uh, <laughs> got... Goss came in with the pepper spray, just dropping it left, right, and center. I wasn't paying attention. Only really? hit, me, hit me in the back of the head, so it wasn't too bad. Ah, so but, it wasn't direct. Yeah, it wasn't. But, like, you, but I saw a your, guy get hit in the face, and he dropped to his knees and vomited right there. So with I'm your like, inability oh, to deal with anything even remotely spicy. <laughs> yeah, I know. How right? could you possibly choose the pepper spray over getting taste? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm choosing the taser because it's, oh, it's okay. short term. Short term. Yeah. What I'm saying is that we've got to run through the pros and cons because the, the <laughs> tongue, <laughs> those prongs. I've seen them. They leave like gashes in you, like because they're hooked. Ah, to, yeah. They're barbed. You know, they don't want to. I'm not out. saying that getting pepper sprayed would be. Uh, sorry, I'm not saying getting tased would be pleasant. It's just the lesser of two evils, I feel Yeah, I'm like. just saying Some we should make an informed it. decision, though. That's all I'm just <laughs> okay. putting it out there. I mean, because also dry tasing doesn't do that, but apparently that hurts worse if you know if you press it against their skin and do it. No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I'd take the t- – because it's over. You're right. It's 100% over, yeah. whereas yeah. the pepper spray is going to hang around for like half an hour and it's just going to suck yeah. the entire time. That's right. So, it might not be as high a high, but it's consistent. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm going to go taser. What about you, Morphs? No, I'd, I'd take a pepper spray. Oh. As I said before, I don't think I'd mentally recover from being tased. I think I'd just live the rest of my <laughs> life just stressed out. Yeah. Just on edge. I saw that guy take that load of pepper spray in the face, and it was it was, he, it was he was done. He may as well have been dead. Like, <laughs> I, if, if it was me, I would have said put a bullet in my brain, because he, he just oh, dropped. God. There was like like tears and snot out of his mouth before he even hit the ground. And Ugh. then he just vomited and someone dragged him away. It was like, oh, no, I'm Lord. so glad I was facing the other way. Considering you've seen that firsthand, you know it could have been you. And presumably that guy didn't really deserve it. Mm. Do you find videos of people being pepper sprayed funny? Yeah. Or is it too real? Oh, no, I find it funny because <laughs> I shouldn't have been there. That was entirely my fault. And you I'm- know that? I can't remember what it was, but that ridiculous uh, protest over nothing and the cop was just walking on oh. just like slowly pepper spraying people. <laughs> and One of the best videos ever. Yeah. They got like 50 that grand so- each. That's such a fucking miscarriage of justice. That was so I'd, ridiculous. I'd, so he I'd just like walked past a load of pepper spray to the face for 50 grand. For sure. <laughs> There's not yeah, much I wouldn't take a load off to yeah, the for say. 50 grand. All right, do you want to tell us your story of revenge? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing you I'll said allow. yes. God. Between 1941 and 1945, the Nazis killed 6 million Jews, despite Allegedly. what Brad said <laughs> <I> tell you. <laughs> this was considered by the Allies to be pretty poor form. So, in 1945, <laughs> the Nuremberg trials were held to prosecute the Nazis for their war crimes. Ooh, those went well. In what you might consider a failure of the international judicial system, only 24 senior figures from the National Socialist German Workers' Party were put on trial and only 18 of them were found guilty and sentenced, some receiving as little as 10 years in prison. People around Mm. the world, excepting some Middle Eastern countries and a handful of German-speaking Argentinians, were pretty dissatisfied (laughs) with this outcome, none more so than Abba Kovna, a Hebrew poet who lived in a Lithuanian ghetto at the start of World War II. The Nazis had done terrible, awful, inhumane things to the Jews. Okay, Brad. And that's not even taking into account the fact that they wiped out two-thirds of Europe's Jewish population. Seeing 11 Nazis swing, understandably, did not feel like justice. Kovner was not going to take this sitting down. After the Nuremberg trials, he started recruiting like-minded Jews who had survived the Holocaust into a group known to us now as Nakam, the Hebrew word for revenge. But at the time, they called themselves D-I-N, or Dam Israel Nota, Hebrew for the blood of Israel avengers. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 
Nakam had a simple goal, to avenge every Jewish life the Nazis had taken. Their plan? Kill six million Germans. <laughs> they wanted the world to know that you do not fuck with the Jews. Holy Is that true? Shit. They actually wanted to kill six million they Germans. They wanted to kill six million Germans. Men, women, and children. They didn't give a fuck. It, specifically, they wanted to indiscriminately kill six million Germans. Holy oh my God. shit. Over the next few months, cells of Nakam operatives tracked down Nazis who had managed to escape Germany and go into hiding, and carrying out the death sentences that the Nuremberg trials had failed to pass down. Former Nazi officers were found all over the world, strangled, hanged, shot. Some were found in ditches on roadsides, others died in car accidents caused by mysterious mechanical failures. One former Nakam member wrote in his memoirs of a senior Gestapo officer who died in a hospital waiting for a minor operation. Somehow kerosene had found its way into his bloodstream. Oh, oh God. <laughs> now, this is all great, obviously. I'm strongly <laughs> in opposition to the death penalty when we're talking about your everyday governmental judicial system, but there's something about Holocaust survivors traveling the world, executing Nazis who managed to escape justice that just really gets my dick hard. <laughs> <laughs> they were only killing dozens of Nazis, though. Uh, the numbers vary. It could have been up to 100. But you're not going to hit the big six mil with those rookie numbers. They needed <laughs> no. to go bigger. Oh, One member of Nakam, an engineer from Krakow, managed to land himself a job at the Municipal Water Company in Nuremberg and isolated the spot in the water supply that they could introduce poison that would kill the oh. maximum number of Germans. A couple Jesus. of million at the very least. Oh. Now they needed the poison and shitloads of it. Kovner himself went to Mandatory Palestine, soon to be known as the State of Israel, looking to gain aid from the Yeshuv, the Jewish leadership there at the time. In what might be the most out-of-character move in history, Mossad detained Kovner upon entry and refused to help him exact sweet Jewish vengeance on those who had harmed God's chosen people. <laughs> those who'd harmed or just some two million wow. random Germans? <laughs> Still, it's not really, you know, Mossad, Mossad aren't the most uh, discriminate of organizations. <laughs> no, that's the point. They're extremely discriminate. They're tactical. They kill the exact person that they're going after. Like, they don't, it's not one of this drone strike where 98% of the targets uh, are yeah, okay, that's fair. terrorists. Yeah, no, the Mossad right. are very precise. Fair enough. Just... Wow. Now, Kovner tried to negotiate with Mossad. What if they just gave him less poison than he wanted? So Nakam <laughs> could only kill, well, still a lot of Germans, but not quite the six million they were hoping for. Mossad and the Yeshuv weren't going to help Kovner, but they did point him towards someone who would. Kovner met with two brothers, Aharon and Ephraim Katznir, who agreed to help. Aharon was a pioneer in the field of biochemistry, and Ephraim was his lab assistant. They could whip up a poison, no worries. <laughs> Interestingly, Ephraim would go on to become president of Israel in 1973, which I think gives you a bit of a peek into the state of Israeli politics. <laughs> so Kovner, disguised as a British soldier, set sail back to Germany. During the voyage, however, someone tipped the Brits off and Kovner had to throw the poison overboard to try and avoid capture. To this day, nobody knows who ratted him out, but before he was arrested, he managed to get a message back to Nakam. The poison is gone. Move on to plan B. Oh, plan B oh. was definitely less ambitious than plan A, but by the <coughs> same token, also more realistic and probably most importantly, a little more fairly targeted. Plan B was to poison the prisoners at Stalag 13, a Nazi POW camp that was now controlled by the Americans and being used to hold 15,000 former SS officers and other prominent Nazi figures. I think that seems fair. Yeah. 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 Nakam learned that all of the bread at Stalag 13 was supplied by one bakery in Nuremberg. One of Nakam's members managed to get himself a job at the bakery, then got the owner so drunk that he was able to steal the keys, go out and make a copy, then come back without the owner ever noticing. 
Nice. Then, on the night of Saturday, the 13th of April, 1946, three members of Nakam snuck into the bakery and painted 3,000 loaves of bread with a thin coating of a mixture of glue and arsenic, which they had previously tested on cats to ensure its lethality. Soon after, over 2,000 German POWs fell ill. Reports on how many died vary, but it's somewhere between 200 and 1,000. Whoa. Nobody is sure why the poison didn't kill more. They had used 18 kilos of arsenic, which should be enough to kill about 60,000 people. My personal theory is that the Nazis could taste the glue, so probably stopped eating after a mouthful or two. Yeah, probably. A plus for effort, though. And that's not just my opinion. In June of 1946, the remaining active Nakam operatives, aside from a small splinter group that stayed behind because they just hadn't had enough of killing Nazis, (laughs) took a ship to mandatory Palestine and were hailed as heroes by the Israeli Labour Party upon their arrival. As of last year, there were four surviving members of Nakam, all living in Israel, the youngest of them 94 years old. And all four of them said the same thing when asked about their time in the Jewish terrorist faction. Their only regret is that they couldn't kill more Nazis. (laughs) I was with you the whole way until they were like, yeah, we're just going to kill two million random Germans who probably didn't really know what was going on in World War II. And if they did, they didn't have any power to stop it. Uh, Yeah, I mean... The, their whole thing was that they wanted to send a message to enemy any enemies of the Jews uh, that were still left. Um, Dude, that's so. a pretty pretty big fucking you mean, message. You yeah. mean their you mean their Arabic neighbors who didn't really like them too much? <laughs> yeah, uh, they their justification was the Germans killed six million Jews, so the Jews are going to kill six million Germans. I mean, you can't argue with the logic. <laughs> I'm not saying it was fair, but you know. That- <laughs> That's, was that, that was, their was plan. it six million? Was it six million Jews or six million people, including Jews, homosexuals, disabled people, and gypsies? I believe it was six million Jews. I mean, the numbers mm. have probably been. You know, I don't want to get too. We should ask the into, expert, Brad, to Holocaust what are the numbers? denial. <laughs> let's but, um, let's not do this thing where I'm <laughs> some sort of Holocaust denier, right? Because I know the Holocaust. Wait, you don't want it on record? I farmed it for content, boys. I know it's real. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Okay. Six million yeah. Germans. I um I watched a documentary um as part of a, a I think it's a BBC series called um, Secret Histories, and one of their episodes is called Holocaust: The Revenge Plot, and it's all about Nakam, and it's just the, yeah. the surviving members. Just, even though they're in their mid to late nineties, they are fucking badasses still. And they <laughs> yeah, they say to the they say to the camera like, you know, we have absolutely no regrets about like we still if we could have we wish that we had have been able to poison six million people. It's crazy oh, that yeah. more people haven't heard about Nakam, considering they came close to killing millions of German yeah, people. I I'd never heard of them. Yeah, that's that, that that's that's mm. that's pretty fucking metal actually. Um, yeah. Also upsetting that they could get so close to doing that with no real resistance. Oh, I know, right? That's, uh, like, the only thing that they had a problem with was getting the poison, which, yeah, yeah. okay, that shouldn't be easy, but they'd already located a super easy weak spot where this, this vulnerability was. Like, yep. yeah, not not good. <laughs> not good, people. Uh, quite worried about drinking water from a tap now. Um, I mean... Thanks for yeah. that irrational fear. Most governmental services in post World War Two Germany probably weren't that very well supervised. I wouldn't think mm. there was there was a little bit of a change of leadership happening at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm. but I'm assuming this wasn't immediately after the war, right? It was no, it was yeah, it was 1946. Yeah, it was. Really? I thought yeah, it would the, be. no, no, no. World War Two ended uh, early 45. 1945. Yeah, and no, late late 1945. Was okay. it in August? Uh, I think, no, the Nuremberg trials were in August. So maybe mm, it, was, it was they, around the same time. Okay. Um, they but, uh, liberated Auschwitz in uh, April, I think. Okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah, well, so this yeah, this is late 1945, early 1946 that they're doing this. It's, it's, oh, it's, wow, they, they were fucking it was, on it. Yeah, right, it, was, right, right. it was immediately after the Nuremberg trials, which were immediately after the end of the war. Jesus. Mm. 
Well, I mean, the new yeah, they were fucking trials were, Yeah, well, the trials were a joke. It was, it's yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. oh, there should have been so many people swinging, but they're just, oh. just letting people coast, slide. Yeah. It's in, yeah. insane. Like, yeah, I, yeah I, they I only get killed, of, of Of 24 people on trial, only 11 got the death sentence. Yeah, but I mean, and, there should have been And one of them was already on dead. <laughs> one of them that got the death sentence was already dead. He was trialed in absentia and sentenced to death. Did they, like, uh, hang guess, his corpse? because he wasn't there to... <laughs> no. They that... didn't know where he was. They didn't uh. know he was dead until after the trials ended. Ah. Uh. They found his body, and they're like, well, I guess we didn't we need to sentence him. him to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miscarriage maybe of when justice, they... to say yeah. the least. Maybe when they sentenced him to death, he just, like, collapsed on the spot wherever he was <laughs> and died. <laughs> that's how it works. Huh? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Such is the power of the government. <laughs> What's well, like um, um, yeah. and, and if if one government's good, this was four governments together mm. holding the Nuremberg trials. That's that's you know, that's just fantastic. Four times the justice. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it's crazy. Like when we, when I talked about yeah, uh, Unit Seven Three One, not a single person no. from that um, faced any kind of no, of course not punishment. No, and, and there was I think three and a half thousand people who worked in that unit. And there is not a single so one of them spent many, a day in prison. Despite so many Nazis lived out their days and died of old age in a comfortable bed somewhere, because yeah, well, look at Mengele. Honestly, you know what? You know what the biggest thing was? It's lo- just logistically, how do you try that many people? They'd still be holding trials now, easy, if they had have tried every Guilty. single Nazi. <laughs> and it's not that I'm defending it, but that's why. They just went for the the just few the broadest fields. of strokes, broadest of strokes. <laughs> SS Logistical. guilty, yeah. easy. I, yeah, I think I think I've revolutionized anyone, the legal system. Yeah, anyone who um, voluntarily enlisted with the Nazis guilty should have got a bullet. <laughs> you know the the whole like spiking the water supply thing is something mm. that's in like every. Not every, but you know, it's like a superhero comic book thing. Like some evil villain. That's is what I was. That's what I was thinking while I was supply. writing this. Is that uh, that's like a supervillain comic book thing? Is I know, but has it ever supply. has it ever happened where like like a le- legitimately large amount of people have died because someone spiked the water supply? Like I've never heard Not of that it. I know of. So the f- the fact that like the Wikipedia page would be like two million, 1946 Germany, and then the next one would be like thirty people. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Uh, it just is bizarre that um, they almost pulled it off because it's, mm-hmm. it's just something that, you know, if you just read comic books all day, you'd be terrified to drink out of the tap like Brad is yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping we'll stop talking about this thing because I don't want to give anyone ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just... Good story, though. And, uh, yeah. you know, killing, <laughs> killing Nazis is always a good thing. Good fun. Uh, Brad, do you want to <laughs> do your power rankings? Yeah. Power rankings. And Lachlan, when you say Nazis, just to be clear, you mean German I mean soldiers Nazis. from nineteen the nineteen forties. You don't mean people who, yes. you know, don't no, think. I don't, I don't mean the people women. who bash get the called bash. Nazis by <laughs> fucking Twitter and that sort of thing. I mean actual Literal members Nazis. of the German National Socialist Party. Yeah. Anyway, right. this week's uh, power rankings <laughs> just. Changing it up a little bit. It's uh, it's a top three, not a top five. Oh, okay. Because uh, uh, I was feeling feeling a bit what? steamed up, obviously. And it's a uh, top three people who deserve deserve the Gary Pluchet treatment in Minecraft. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now, very similar. <laughs> We've had some similar power rankings this before, but I just feel like I excel when I'm talking about Minecraft and Minecraft related <laughs> activities. So I'm going there again. So um, following is book- a parody. <laughs> Isn't your favourite book like Minecraft? Oh no, no, sorry, sounds different. It's a little different. <laughs> All right. Anyway, oh, shit. Well done. Starting at three, working to one. As, well, not as normal. Um, three, number three, Cardinal George Pell. Yep. How you're not rotting away in a prison for the rest of your life is beyond me. You were, and that was a good thing. Then the High Court of Australia steps in and says, "Hey, we're not saying he's innocent." But you shouldn't have found him guilty, so we're letting mm. him go. What the actual fuck? 
That's like mining a diamond only for it to fall into a lava block. You're the physical embodiment of that feeling. <laughs> Fuck you. He's actually talking about Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that far. <laughs> uh, number two. Hillary Clinton. Yep. I'm not letting Benghazi slide or the Clinton Foundation or Seth Rich. Or the fact that you would have taken the US to war with Russia over Syria and your stupid pissing competition with Putin. I don't even have a funny Minecraft reference here. Actually, I do. You're like falling into the end while fighting the Ender Dragon. That shit just sucks. There's no upside, no positive. It's just all straight up ass. <laughs> okay. Speaking and- of ass, <laughs> it was her fault that Gaddafi got sodomized. <laughs> Brad, can on you the just streets um, of just so we have Tripoli. this on record? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts of killing yourself? Me? No. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's <laughs> no. good. I just wanted that on record for you know your inevitable suicide oh, yes, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. If I if I suicide twice in the back of the head, it was not <laughs> me. Okay. Um, and number one, Casey fucking Anthony. Yep. Am I letting this shit slide? <laughs> Brad, right? let it go. <laughs> You're, you killed your own daughter, and I refuse to let people forget it, because she fucking slides, and I'm fucking sick of that shit. Mm-hmm. You're a dog shit human being who somehow got away with it, and you're living it up in Florida right now. Minecraft's a big world, Miss Anthony, and there are a lot of hostile <laughs> mobs out there, and they like to fuck you up when you're least expecting it. So don't lose all that those hard-earned diamonds, bitch. <laughs> Boom. It's pretty crazy that someone hasn't gone after her, actually. Mm. Uh, not that I'm encouraging so anyone should. to do that. But in Minecraft, feel free to kill her. Uh, I mean, if her, <laughs> what do you call if her character, if her dad wasn't such a spineless piece of shit, Ugh. well, if his, if her dad wasn't such a spineless piece of shit, it wouldn't happen in the first place. But um, you know, he should probably do something about it. Ugh, Casey fucking Anthony, Ugh, I hate her. Do you want to add OJ as number four to your list, bro? No, he's, he's got what he deserves. I mean, he's in prison. It's fine. You know, no, he's not OJ. No, he's not. <laughs> Yes, he he's is. out of prison. He's playing golf and making videos. Well, he's playing no, 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 golf no. and making videos after he plays golf, talking to the camera <laughs> about how, uh, you know, how he finds things funny. He's, he's no, 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 no. Didn't he go back to prison for kidnapping people, holding people hostage? Or something? Yeah, he's out. He's out. Are you serious? Okay, yeah. impromptu yeah, no. number four, OJ Simpson. <laughs> you cut your wife's head off almost. Listen, <laughs> he should be in prison in Minecraft. At least, I think almost decapitating uh, someone is worse than decapitating someone. <laughs> there is a line there. I feel like if the head is completely gone, at it's least, so much worse. At least OJ had a fair motive. Like the other three that you mentioned, you know, there's no reason for their crimes. I OJ, legitimately didn't know it was a crime of passion. I'm googling this right now. I can't. Oh, yeah. he's um he's in he talks to make a reality sure. show, Brad. Surely not. Yeah, he's been tweeting up a storm. You should check I out mean, his you Twitter. Can get prison I don't know who here. films it, but somebody films him and he's in a golf outfit just after he's finished playing golf and he just talks to the camera about what he finds interesting and stuff. He was talking about Tiger King. He got out in twenty seven. He's making videos about Tiger King. He's like Oh man, the he, look on Brad's face. Said, right he even, what he the even fuck? said in one of his videos, like Carol Baskin. She killed her husband. <laughs> Dude, you killed your wife. <laughs> he would know. He's got experience on the subject. Yeah, he's like, trust me, I know what, what it's like when someone kills their spouse. <laughs> I remember he got out. Like, he, mm. he did that Vegas robbery in, like, 2007. <laughs> and I thought he was legit nah, in nah, prison for the rest of his life. I thought he got, like, 25 years for that because it was, like, nah, kidnapping. He got, he got robbed. No, two, 2017, man, three years ago. Oh, really? I'm, I'm shit, looking into okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was ages ago, yeah. He got out on good behaviour early, I think. He was yeah. up for parole and he got it. Good behaviour <laughs> because he didn't almost cut anyone's head off all of his Yeah, what the <laughs> I actually slept good at night knowing that OJ was in prison, but now... <laughs> Brad, the juice is loose. The juice is fucking loose. <laughs> I'm actually scared. I'm going to struggle to sleep tonight. Yeah, he's uh, coming for you, Brad. He's going to almost cut well, you Well, yeah, off. I've said this shit now. Like, I'm fucked. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm uh, scared. Well, <laughs> that'll do us. I think this was a good episode. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for being here. Uh, thanks for your contributions. I appreciate it. I appreciate you putting in the work. And um, I'm sure that our audience appreciates you guys putting in the work as well. And me too, maybe. Um, but what we appreciate is our, our faithful audience, our listeners, our lovely listeners, 
thank you so much for listening. We, we do truly appreciate it. Um, and I, I came up with an idea. I think we should call our listeners lemurs because I, you guys might remember several episodes ago we uh, tried to come up with a name for our listeners. I think we should call them lemurs because a group of lemurs is called a conspiracy. Ah. Yeah. I'm so, not selling uh, the idea yet. <laughs> let us let us know, guys, what you think on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that sort of thing. Also, be sure to subscribe. Like, uh, what's his name? Bogan said at the start of the episode. And uh, <laughs> please share these episodes with your friends. Because uh, none of this matters. I'm going to get Nicole Brown any any minute now. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can you can talk about it. Uh, share it with your coworkers. You can talk about it at work while you are uh, committing wage theft. Mm. Uh, oh no, sorry. It's the employers that commit wage theft. Employees <laughs> commit time theft. Get your shit together, for fuck's sake. Get yeah. us out of here. Ah, thanks, guys. We'll uh, talk to you, but you won't talk to us next week. Peace.